0: Welcome to Faith Kit, a weekly conversation with Reverend Dr. Glenn Miles and noted guests dialoguing their life of faith in today's culture. Let's join Dr.
1: Miles and today's guest. Hi, this is Glenn Miles, Senior Minister at First Community Church, and I'm thrilled to welcome you to Faith Kit. My guest today is Reverend Jim Long, the Minister of Pastoral Care Emeritus at First Community Church. Jim, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing well. <laughs> yeah. We've been talking a little bit of baseball, and it's always yeah. uh, good to chat with you. Although i got to tell you, uh, Tim Bansant, he's, he knows baseball just as well as you and me. It's kind of fun to talk to him. And yeah. he knows
0: a lot of sports, generally. He, too. Just
1: in general, he does. Yeah. 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 So yeah. It, it's worked out well that he's he's come on staff not long after you retired. So yeah.
0: it's good stuff. <laughs> I knew he'd be helpful to you. <laughs> <laughs> that's what we were looking for. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, for sure.
1: Right. Um, so, uh, Jim, just take a moment, will you, please, and, and tell um, our listeners, Anybody who's a longtime member of the church certainly knows you, but we got a lot of new members come in the last uh, few months, a couple of years. Say a little bit about yourself, your family, where you grew up, and and all that, would you please? Sure. Um, I grew
0: up here in Columbus, uh, and uh, my family really had been members of this church, Uh, my Grandparents on both sides were members of the first community, so I grow up in this, grew up in this church. Um,
1: when, did they join in the twenties? I
0: remember yeah, the the Murphys, my mom's uh, parents, uh, moved over on Grandview Avenue in Haynes, and uh, they joined in about. 27, I think, mm-hmm. uh, 1927. And then the Longs didn't live too far from there. They were at Virginia and First Avenue. Oh, wow. And they joined in 1933. So all four of my grandparents belonged here. My parents uh, were raised here. Um, uh, my uh, dad got his block of wood. I have the letter Dr. Burkhart sent him when he got his block of oh, wood. Oh, how cool is that? And, That's great. Um, and they were married here in 1950. Um, and then I was uh, raised here and was uh, married here with Claire Nichols um, from Auburn, Alabama. But we got married in my home church. Uh, we were working in Washington, D.C. at the time and decided to get married here. Who did your wedding? Um, it was Art Sanders, Art who Sanders, was one of, of my predecessors in yeah. pastoral care. Yeah. And then my daughter— And uh, her husband, Elizabeth and Jason Downey, uh, were married here. So I've had a long
1: uh, experience here at First Community. Yeah, you certainly have. Um, Tell us about you. So you've got you've got two kids, right? Yes, Yes, we got
0: Elizabeth um, and uh, Jimmy. um, And Elizabeth and Jimmy both uh, grew up in Upper Arlington and went to Upper Arlington High School, which Mm -hmm. is where I went and also my parents went. Um, And um, both are living here in Columbus. Jimmy's working with the church, right. uh, with Camp Akita, and with uh, with Sarah Keens, uh, and also with the youth program, and uh, so we, the whole family has been active here in different ways. Elizabeth had been on the governing board, and uh,
1: and is now on the nominating committee. So <laughs> things are still very active there. <laughs> your family, your family tradition uh, c- continues on. Uh, yes, I, I've I've enjoyed teasing you. I know I remember going to a, a basketball game with you at Ohio State. Yes, and at halftime we went to get a beverage or something, and I think every single person said, Hey, Jim, how you doing? Jimmy Long. How are you, Jim? And Pastor Jim. It was just incredible to see how many people know you. It's kind of fun to, to be that well-known in the community.
0: Well, you know, and as I said to you, uh, you said something like, um, do you know everybody? I said, well, if I don't, my brother does. <laughs> kind <of> thing. But, <laughs> I but remember it, that. Truly, that's an overstatement. But having grown up here, right. you know, and my family's having uh, been living here, we knew a lot of people, not just in the church, but in the community at large. So I do know a number of people, but I uh, not as many as you might think.
1: <laughs> so, yeah. I, I have to be careful what I do and say in town because I know somebody who knows you is going to recognize me. And so I have to be—I have to be careful for sure. Say, say a little bit about your um, uh, your call to ministry. You didn't actually come out of college thinking that you were going to go in that direction, did you? No, no. I uh,
0: I uh, grew up with a, g- a great love of history, and uh, always I came from a medical family since my grandfather and uncle, and later my cousin, and now my niece uh, are in medicine. Um, But uh, I early on decided I wanted to go to law school because um, uh, I had an interest in history and government and politics. um, And that was really where I set out to be, even though I was active in the church as a youth uh, member here. I played in the Bell choir and got my block of wood and um, and enjoyed it. Uh, I never once thought about the ministry at that time, mm-hmm. but the church was important to me. You know, uh, my my parents had died in an accident, and so that their funeral was here. My grandparents' funerals were here, and I got to know some of the ministers. Uh, when I was working in law at law school at Ohio State, I worked with Mark Pulowski in the youth program. Uh, you know, as a volunteer, um, so I had a lot of youth activities. Yeah. <laughs> But I really um, was focused on going into law, and I my first job was in Washington, D.C., um, where I met Claire. We, we both had joined National Presbyterian Church. She was a lawyer for FDIC, and I was a lawyer for a, a trade association representing the cosmetic industry. But we met in a Bible study there, and I started to be one of the assistant teachers eventually. And so I had this interest in teaching, um, but once again, not thinking I would go into the the ministry, moved back to Columbus um, after about five years in D.C., and uh, Claire and I uh, were married here, and then we've raised our family here. Um, but I still was intent on getting into government. I was uh, the assistant director of the Ohio Ethics Commission. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, and then went to a law firm, Baker and Hostetler. Uh, but during this time, I was active in the church, working with um, some of the ministers on adult education. And I was increasingly aware I wasn't th- that happy in law. I had some good law jobs I, uh, at the law firm. I think they were uh, they liked me, as they said, but I, they wondered why I wasn't more focused putting more time in. I was involved in the community at uh, on the uh, at what they call the Franklin County Adam Board. I was the chair of that. So I had a lot of activities, but I really wasn't as focused on the laws, you might think. And so... Uh, I had started taking occasional classes at the Methodist Seminary and just loved it. I had had five classes at night, and I thought I would just simply be a more active lay person, um, but when the law firm said to me and i, I wasn 't fired, but I was basically said if you you got to pick it up or or you know you may have to find something else to do and I remember going to um, uh, Claire and she had just uh, was ready to go back to work in state government because um, our kids had been born, and I, I said I really want to go to seminary. I really want to um, to pursue that, and so she went back to work full time. And um, and she really made it possible for me to to complete my studies, um, and uh, but so I felt this call to ministry. It, as as I said, it was more evolutionary. It was mm-hmm. through knowing Art Sanders. Um, it was he he was the first one who told me I was called to the ministry. But yeah, then I even waited five more years before I went back, um, and uh, and up at the seminary I started in the um, what they call the Masters of Theological Studies. Um, um because I thought I might teach law, ethics, uh, theology, um, But when Dick Wing arrived um, here, um, he, asked me, well, what are your plans? And I said, well, I really need to do an internship at a church. And I've only known two churches in my life, First Community and National Presbyterian. So I probably should go to a small church somewhere in, in the more rural areas and get some experience. And Dick said it, it was the first annual meeting. He says, oh, no, you should be a intern here. You should stay stay here. And uh, soon after I started as an intern, he wanted me to stay on staff. So, so I, it wasn't like I ever had a clear focus that this is where I wanted to go um both into ministry and at first community but I always said if I had really had that as my focus I probably wouldn't have pulled it off and, uh, <laughs> it was just too bizarre to think about but uh, that's how it all unfolded and it was a long story but um but as, I've, as I told my advisor at the seminary, I said, I don't, didn't have this immediate clarion call in the middle of the night like the Apostle Paul or somebody. Right, it right. was an evolutionary thing of seeing where my gifts were more suited, um, and there wasn't anything wrong with the law or how I was pursuing it, but uh, I was
1: more me in, in what I was doing here, which is what a vocation is all about absolutely it, it, your story uh, is there are a couple of similarities to Mary Kate Buchanan who is your successor as the minister of pastoral care she talked in this one in the podcast earlier uh this month about how um uh, she took a bunch of religion classes in seminary. I mean, I'm sorry, not in seminary, in college, just because she was interested in it, thought it was kind of fun. And and her uh, advisor called her in for her senior year and said, well, what's your, what's your focus going to be? And what are you going to do when you graduate? And what are you looking at? And and she said, she had a couple of different ideas. And he said, well, you've taken a lot of religion classes. You really should be a religion major. And mm-hmm. have you thought about seminary? And she was like, what's seminary? <laughs> and the more she yeah. thought about it, she realized well, maybe that is the direction I ought to go. Went home and told her parents and her parents were like, Thank God, you figured it out, <laughs> which was interesting. They always thought she had a call, but never pushed her on it, yeah. never said anything to her about it. So, yeah. same kind of thing. It had to be some other people, kind of, kind of speaking to her on the side, going, "No, really, you got a, you got a call." It. Like Art Sanders and Dick Wing and all yeah. the different people you talk to. Yeah. Yes, and, and well, Mary Kate's
0: my successor here, and and, and she's wonderful. And, she's doing great work. And, yeah, and she she's a child of the church too. Her mother led the uh, early childhood program, like our Mary Evans
1: did. It right. was my early childhood person. Right. So. right. Yeah, I, I like that story. There's there's some good, there's some yeah, good connections yeah, there, yeah, for sure. Yeah, uh, I, I'm, I'm trying to remember, Jim. What year was it uh, when I when you and I first met? It was in Jamaica. Yes, on a mission trip. Was that like ninety seven, ninety eight, somewhere like that? I'm there? thinking it's around then. I, I because think so. I was so.
0: doing mission, and we had that trip to Jamaica, and you uh, and another church uh, from New York, right, a Presbyterian church uh, up yeah, in New York, right? and the first community went. And I knew nothing about leading mission trips, but I could bring our people, and that was. glad. I'm glad you were leading it. <laughs> oh, I, I think Stephen Mabry from the Presbyterian Stephen Church was, was the yeah, was yeah. the leader of it. Yeah. Um,
1: but yeah. I remember I remember not only baseball conversations with you, but good good church conversations. And and I, I do remember talking to Dick a couple of weeks later and saying you got a, you got a great guy in Jim Long. That was that was evident. That how many years that would go? twenty-six years ago when I first met you. And yeah. It's been it's been fun following your career. Yeah. Um, at first from the outside, but in the last last five or six years. Well, we were
0: blessed with Dick
1: Wing. Absolutely. Both of us. But uh, also, I remember meeting you, and then you came, and I
0: think you visited the church not too long after, and you and I went out for lunch right. over at the Ohio State Golf Course. Right. I, remember. I remember that, yes. And yes. Uh, the other thing I remember about that Jamaica trip is you always wore your San
1: Francisco <laughs> Giants hat. <laughs> of course I did. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> when I lived in Southern California for a while, people were like, aren't you going to pull for the Dodgers? I, no. No. <laughs> no. This is a theological issue yeah, for me. Trust, right. trust me. And I won't bore our listeners with, with any yeah. more, more yeah. of that. Um, Well, let's talk a little bit about this um, uh, 2023 um, stewardship campaign, The the Giving Life. And I'd I'd love to hear from you about... um, how you've incorporated uh, the idea of giving as a spiritual practice? We've really tried to emphasize that this year more, yeah. frankly, more than any other year as since I've been a senior leader of a church. You know, the emphasis oftentimes has been, "Hey, we've got great ministries going on, wonderful mission work here in our church. We want you to support that," which is which is true right now, of yeah. course. But we've really taken a, a, an angle this year to s- frame it as a spiritual exercise like prayer or worship or or serving in the community, whatever it might be. Say, say a little bit about your spiritual practice of giving.
0: Yes. Yeah, so one of the things, I always look at things kind of historically, and when I was thinking about this— um, You know, I was raised by my three grandparents. One of my grandfathers had died before my parents were married, but um, they were within a block of one another, and I I was involved with the church uh, after my parents were gone. And I learned from about giving from my grandparents in some ways. You know, when you're when you're young, I can remember coming here, and you know, they the, you would put a dime in the basket right. in our Sunday school, or I remember we had little Unicef boxes where you could bring money in. But I didn't think much about giving or how the church operated. But two, there are two stories about my background that. Well, there are three really. There, first of all, my grandfather um, Murphy um, was uh, uh, chair of the uh, finance committee here at the church when they burned the mortgage after World War II, and mm-hmm. they had paid off the debt. And I can still remember my grandfather writing check on a, uh, to First Community, and he says, I write a check um, every uh, every month to the church because the church has to turn on the lights and it has to be heated, etc. So he was a very pragmatic person, very practical right. person. Right. And he did that, uh, but he, you know, he modeled that for me, so it got me thinking that was the first thing. Then I was in law school and working with Mark Pulaski here, and the church was... Uh, I'm gonna uh, change the sanctuary. They took away the theater that was down here, um, and they put the bridge over that, and then of course created the uh, the gallery court and waste and then they turned the choir towards the congregation. So that was a capital campaign, and I'm in law school, and I'm not, and I had some money uh, to get through school and everything. But I remember my grandmother Long, who, getting to the spiritual part, said, "We well, ought to give to the capital campaign." I'm I'm thinking I'm a I'm a law student at Ohio State, and I haven't you know I'm not even a monthly pledger and so I remember pledging a, a three year pledge I think it was something like ten dollars a year which is not much but um but my grandmother then and she was my spiritual mentor mm. to be honest with you mm. she was a very pious woman. Um, she was raised Lutheran, but her mother was Irish Catholic and her father was German Lutheran. So I had those two model for me um, giving. Uh, and then when I got to Washington joined National Presbyterian, I pledged. But then when Claire and I got married... Uh, i realized that she had pledged at a much higher level than i had pledged so then i had that modeling of from claire mm-hmm. that you know you know you that's your first gift for the month kind of thing right and so right. so that's all the historical part i think uh, I, I really appreciate that the, the um, what's going on now with the, the, the uh, uh, f- not only faith kit sermon series but there's the emphasis on spirituality because uh, the, the idea of, of giving really is is foundational and that you know we' all the resources we receive are in many ways gifts from God you know and are a blessing from God and then we're called to serve in other words to love God and to love our neighbor and so the, the spiritual practice of making choices um, about what to give and what what you say I can't give to are, are very important, not just from a, a practical standpoint, as my grandfather described it, but also uh, from a spiritual standpoint that we're called to share with one another. And and uh, so I appreciate the emphasis there. And it's a hard one in our culture, I know, but it's it really
1: then causes you to think more deeply about it. Yeah, mm-hmm. right. There's there's a couple things that stand out from what you said, Jim. Uh, one is you uh, uh, you're wife modeled for you a a more, um, uh, well, to put giving first. Yeah, well uh, really The first thing you do is you make sure you make that gift. Uh, and the second thing was your grandparents kind of modeled both sides of the same coin. Yeah. On the one hand, your grandfather was like, "Well, we got to care for the building and the bill, the you know, put the turn the lights on and pay the staff and do all those things." And yet, your grandmother was on the other side of it's important that you do this as a person of faith. Yes, and that's yes. that's that's really that's a great model to have all three of those models in your in your life. And uh, as the pastor of First Community, let me say thank you for Claire Long. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> (laughs) (laughs)
0: Yes, yes, and you know what's interesting, and not to say too much about Claire, but um, she is a frugal person. Meaning, Mm -hmm. you know, in some ways, I'm not as careful with money as she is. But that frugality allows her to use resources in in really positive ways. She is a giving person,
1: right? For sure, for sure. There's there's something about that. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. All right. Uh, What about a time? uh, I think our listeners would love to hear about a time jim when when you've kind of shared this a little bit. Uh, when you were given at one level and you sort of got challenged or stepped up and and gave it a higher level. Uh, can, you, can you share a story about a time when you did something like that?
0: Yeah, well, in a way, I think uh, both stories I've described, um, you know, the fact I never even thought as a law student, you know, having grown up in the church, I don't know whether, we, you know, how much I heard about stewardship uh, when, as a as a child, but uh, I think my, the fact my grandmother challenged me that you ought to give. That was the first thing. Um, and that was, that was I won't say a stretch um, as far as the amount of money I gave, but it was a stretch as far as getting over the hump of saying, well, that's part of my responsibility kind of thing. Um, And I also think when Claire then identified two sides of that, One, we got to give more, but two, we got to make choices. (laughs) You know, yes. And so there's there's a a prudence about that, Um, but the prudence is grounded in a value. You know, what is really important? What what is, you know? I've heard it said, uh, you know, you can tell what a person's priorities are by their checkbook or their check register. And uh, and and uh, you know, you preached last Sunday about the widow's might, but uh, you know, when you're truly giving out of your poverty, you know you know we've been raised in a very uh, fluent community and i've mm-hmm. I've never lacked for money to be honest um I'm not saying we're wealthy but we you know are wealthy by many standards you know and um and uh um i think uh, w- we often give out of our our abundance, not out of out of our poverty, right? And uh, so, I would say, uh, even even choices on uh, annual stewardship campaign. You know, uh, we sit down and talk about it and and say, you know, what are we going to give this year, and and what else are we
1: supporting? So, yeah, there's a there's a, a similar. Uh, experience in my own life that that um thinking this is as much as i'm able to give and the, the like you the person in my house who says you know what we can do more than that has been my wife and what what julie has always pointed out whenever we've done stretch giving we, when we've gone farther than we thought we could uh she looks back at the end of the year and said do you see where we are now we we, we gave more than we thought we we're going to give to the church and we're doing fine yeah, in, in our own yeah. personal finances. So yeah. I, that's it's it's really uh, it really is a blessing in a, in a way. We we didn't not not in the TV preacher way. If you give to the church, you're yeah. going to you get even more at the end of the day. No, <laughs> yeah. not not in that way at all. Yeah. But yeah. to recognize that we were able to support the church we love and care for. And still be able to take care of ourselves in the way we we had hoped. So um, it's really it's really kind of a cool thing when we can practice like that. Yeah. So t- take take off your pastor's hat for a minute. I, I mean, I know you're an emeritus now, yeah. uh, which means to have served with distinction. No. I believe that's the the
0: uh, the Latin, <laughs> I never really knew. I think, I think that's what it means.
1: <laughs> so. You you've served with distinction, and it, it was a it was a thrill to uh, uh, give that honor to you. was it at the end of December last year? I think is when we did yes. that. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um uh, so take that hat off for a minute and, and, yeah. uh, th- just, just say why you give to the church is, is, uh, what is it about the church that it compels you to give in our, our missions and our ministries and whatever other aspects you'd like to talk about?
0: Yeah. I, I keep relating back to being a child of this church and, uh, you know, um, uh, uh, we can go off on ego trips about we belong to a great church, this has got a great history, heritage, whatever programs we've got and everything. All true. And that's always been true. Yeah. It's been true every stage of my life. Um, but what I really love about the church is I really uh, love the uh, the inclusive theology, um, uh, the uh, the idea, uh, you know, and, and this has really come to the fore so much in our culture. It's been controversial at times, but, that you know, all, all the religious traditions are are seeking God, mm-hmm. and we are following the pathway of Jesus. Uh, and 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 this is not meaning that um, um, ecumenicism is and it's a broader ecumenicism, interfaith, I guess, is the way to put it. It uh, is uh, just a, a simple amalgamation of everything, but recognizing that we're all spiritual beings. And right. uh, so I really appreciate the theological heritage and inclusiveness of this congregation. Now, when I say inclusive, we you know we are. in a a well-to-do suburban area, you know, we are ethnically uh, um, more, more, less politically uh, single uh, way of thinking of things, but in many ways, uh, we are more narrow in how we appear. But our theology and philosophy is to say all are welcome, and uh, it doesn't make us unique, but it, it it is the path I want to follow, you know. Um, so I think uh, the the more ecumenical, open theology that we have is a reason. Um, I also think this emphasis on grace, and I've heard your sermon series, uh, many many sermons where you emphasize grace. That you know, this idea is not what we believe or uh, what we do. That uh, um, uh, makes us acceptable to God is that God accepts us, and so what we do believe and what we do it, that it matters, but but we're not earning our 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 uh, relationship with God by what we believe or what we do, and so I think it, it reduces the arrogance of mm-hmm. uh, some theological perspectives. Mm-hmm. You know, even though we're like all human beings, we can be we can be arrogant about our views. But I just uh, I I think that's what is still confirm for me in my life that this is and maybe it's because I spent so much of my life here but I uh, I just love the, the the basic approach of the church and it becomes more meaningful as I get older
1: Mm-hmm. You know, I really learned about the church. Thank you for that answer. That's, yeah. that's well said. I, I learned about First Community when there was an article in the Christian century in 1992, I think, 91, 92, mm-hmm. somewhere in there, where we were referred to as the most important progressive church in America. And that would be easy to read that. And it's a great article and yeah. you know, kind of land in an arrogant kind of way. But it, it, the article really emphasized how open we've been, how uh, that's always been a part of our, our practice and our ministry, that, that we listen to the voice of truth regardless of where they come from and yeah. um, you' you've highlighted that really really well I, I think that's who we've been for well over a hundred years yeah I think so and even when I was a kid
0: it's it's kind of a joke but people would say th- I remember a kid in my neighborhood saying well you go to first Community Country club <laughs> and another another ki- uh, person would say well you know you can believe whatever you want at first community well you know those are both external criticisms of what we appear to be right but uh, the reality is is what <laughs> We're just saying, our our response to God, whether wh- how we believe and how we we live, ideally is following the way of Jesus, and it's open and
1: inclusive. So, uh, uh, amen to that. As the. Uh Former pastor of the Country Club Christian Church <laughs> I in Kansas City, uh, I know what those criticisms feel like. Uh, that that church is located in the Country Club Homes Association of Kansas City, yeah. And so it it, it in the, in the Kansas City context, no one thinks twice about that about that name. It'd be like being called uh, the Cambridge Christian Church or <laughs> yeah, the yeah. the uh, Dublin Road Christian Church or Community Church. Right, yeah, it's, right. just, it's just it was just the name. Um, but but for sure, this has been this has been and continues be uh, an amazing place. All right. Put your pastor's hat back on. Okay. Um, and, and we were laughing a little bit about uh, whether or not you have our sermon ready to go. Yeah. Uh, so so let's, take that, let's take that direction. If you were preaching a stewardship sermon, what would you focus on?
0: Well, I I would f- focus on what you have been focusing on, which is the spirituality of giving. Mm-hmm. It's that we have a need to give as much as there are needs to be given to, um, right. and that comes out of our commitment to our values and our our our. Um, mm-hmm. Not only our traditions, but our our uh, our path that we followed. Um, so I would I would emphasize that, and I think you and I have talked briefly in the past. You know, we're going through a unique time. In this, I mean, I've been reading in a lot of publications. It's not just the churches that have been through unique times. We've had three major crises in many ways mm-hmm. in in a short time. Mm-hmm. You know, we've had the the meltdown of the economy, we had um, obviously the pandemic, and now the war in Ukraine, which could have have tremendous economic impact and all in the midst of this we don't see as many people sitting in the pews and so you wonder well what's the relevance of the church right. and I, I think right. What's always occurred to me is that the church is not going away just because there are maybe fewer people sitting in the pews, and we're and they're all invited back, you know, when the time comes. But um, uh, we, the church has been around for two thousand years. But how we do church, um, what what we respond to in the culture um, as a, as as a result of the times we're in, um, uh, is is going to change. And uh, and it's not an easy time to be leading as as you're leading now. Uh, Because we don't know what the future holds, but what I do believe is the church has been here. It's probably the oldest institution in our in our Western world, really. Sure. Um, And uh, and so it's going to be here, but it may not be like I experienced. You know, like when my grandparents joined in that Depression era, and then World War II, and then everybody came back. To the suburbs were growing. Everybody came back. not got back to church but built churches and and uh, the church pews were filled in many ways. Right. Um that was a different world, you know. Um but having said that the church has gone through a lot of those kind of crises historically and uh so I think it the church is more relevant than ever, but we have to work at how we we work together to make it relevant to the the
1: world we're living in right now. So yeah, I I uh, I wrote in this month's newsletter about this very thing that you've brought up. Um I quote Phyllis Tickle, Mm-hmm. Who passed away a couple of years ago? Yeah, more, more than a couple, maybe a few years yeah. ago. But uh, Dick Wang, uh, my my uh, predecessor here at the church, and I were attending a conference in St. Louis where she was one of the keynoters, and she she pointed out there that she thinks the church about every 500 years has what she calls a rummage sale where they realize okay, all this stuff we've been doing now it's t- was, it was wonderful, it served a purpose, but there's this is a time of transformational change, and yes. and that's really where what we're in the midst of in the pandemic just took us from fast change to light speed change i mean it just really um highlighted those things and and you know you named you talked about attendance um right now churches of all stripes evangelical to uh uh, progressive uh, mainline protestant um roman catholics etc are are their attendance patterns Post-pandemic is about 40 to 65%. So we're at 55%. We're seeing half the number of folks that we used to see. But we're kind of right in the middle of that. that. And everything I'm reading says it's five years. It'll be five years before we get back to where we were before the pandemic hit. Um, So that means... If you know exactly what that means, I started to say, here's what that means. No, I'm not really quite sure what that means, what we should be doing in the next four or five years. Um, but it means we need to be ready to uh, uh, pay attention to transformational change. Yes. And and that's that's really what's before us. And what I've been thrilled with, Jim, too, is the fact that our um, our giving levels have been have remained steady mm-hmm. for these three years. Yeah. You know, uh, yeah, our attendance has dipped. Um I mean, I, I, every Sunday I have somebody come up to me and say, "This is my first Sunday back since 2020." I mean, just this past Sunday, yeah. I, there were three people came through the line and said, it's "So good to be here in person." We've been watching online faithfully, um, but this is the first time we felt safe coming back to worship, which is which is great. That's why we did the we do the online services and, and all of that. All right. Um, so thank you for, for, for that. You've given me some ideas for this Sunday sermon, uh, which is the primary reason I'm doing these, is to uh, get, get ideas from my colleagues. <laughs> that's <laughs> what, that's what appropriate. Uh, absolutely. <laughs> uh, it's not the primary, but it is, it is a secondary reason. Um, uh, I'd love to give my Faith Kit uh, uh, guests uh, the last word. You have the last word here. What do you want to say to our listeners, not just at First Community, but uh, around the country, around the world? What what? <laughs> it's you, the, the microphone is yours. <laughs> okay.
0: Well, I, I don't have any grand ideas, but I, uh, I just, I just feel, I'll just say this when I retired, I think I've been at church every week since I retired, except for when we were out of the country, you know, and I, I, I so appreciated, and this goes back to how I opened you know, the church I grew up in and now worked in for twenty seven years, but now I I'm still a member of the church. I'm still and I'm
1: singing in the choir now. And uh um You 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 sit close to where I sit at, at the 10, <laughs> ten o'clock service and yeah. I, I think we sound good together. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. Well, I was hoping you weren't hearing me. <laughs> <laughs> Trust me, you don't want to hear me. <laughs> That's right. But um what I what I think about that, I sit in a, a choir room where I w- played handbells in high school, and I sit in a sanctuary where my family members were married, and uh, so, and some have been buried, of course. Um, and the church means so much, and yet when I go north, it's not the building although this is the building i experienced you know when we go north for soli deo gloria and i'll be able to sing is i just the vision that created that i think this 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 church not only our church but church universal remains i think essential to us as, as as human beings because um it's a very difficult world out there. I, I, I was reading a review of a new book about how, how difficult life is. It reminds me of that Scott Peck line, life is mm-hmm. difficult, because mm-hmm. the philosopher said, you know, a lot of things happen in life, and it doesn't always work out the way we expect, but we're better to, to experience whatever we're experiencing in life than in the community of faith. And so, so I still think that's the message, you know, you're welcome here, we'll all be in this together kind of thing. That's a good word to end on, Jim.
1: Thank you. It's been great to chat with you. Thank you. And and thank you all out there in uh, listener land for joining us for Faith Kit. Again, I'm Glenn Miles at First Community Church, and we're glad that you've joined us.
0: Thank you for being with us in this episode of Faith Kit. Join us next week for another enlightening conversation.